1: Hey guys, Sarah here. We thought that with the documentary American Nightmare on Netflix, trending, making waves, everybody's talking about this story. So we wanted to resurface an interview that we did with Denise and Aaron about their story. So give it a listen. Welcome back. We are back with Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn, authors of Victim F, From Crime Victims to Suspects to Survivors. I mean, we're super excited to talk to you guys today. Um, and we you know, just want to talk to you about the book, obviously, and and the story and everything that went into it. Um, first, I feel like we'll start off a little light. What was it like to write a book with your spouse?
2: Oh, it was actually a really um, interesting and, and fun um, experience at times. It was nice to be able to kind of have your creative outlet um go through your own emotional uh, roller coaster and then share it with your partner and have them um, give give not necessarily critique but you know um, their opinion of of where maybe you can expand on or um, even just positive feedback to let you know that you're going in the right direction
3: <laughs> yeah I think importantly too is like I mean, we probably spent, it took us about, I don't know, nine months to, to write the book, but probably two years to edit more or less. Um, Cause we kept on adding and try and make it as compelling as possible. But uh, I mean, some chapters, I must say—I think one chapter I rewrote maybe 15 times. And, but then to read out loud and to have Denise go like, yeah, that's it. That's the, the emotion that, um, or that sentence captures emotion and captures that moment really well is a it was pretty uh, invaluable to have that resource and, you know, have a person who knows it as well as we know it, um, who's lived it. Uh,
2: yeah. And I mean, we obviously love and adore each other, but it was a, another experience of just being in awe of each other, you know, just to see his strength and, and creativity and being able to articulate the things that he's gone through and, and vice versa. So it was a really special experience.
4: I, I love that. And how, And I mean, there's so much because obviously you guys have been through so much. Was there all, when was the, How? what was the first discussion where you two felt like we want to tell our story and like kind of own your story? Because obviously a lot of outlets reported it, but from both of you, was there a lot of, were you, were you pushing back before writing the book or did you feel like we need to get this out from our POV?
2: I think it was pretty, pretty early on that we would have hoped to write a book, um, you know, it was a, a interesting experience in that it was so publicized that when we started just kind of um, reaching out to some people saying, do you think this could be a book? And we got a lot of people saying, absolutely not. Um, no Why? Oh, really? They said, no one's going to be interested. You know, like what happened to you was awful, but no one's going to want to buy or read a book about it. Um, or it's already been covered too much by the media that um you know people are gonna feel like they already know the story and we're like well there's so much more that the media just cannot or refuses to to really dive into. Um so it was it was a long battle to find the right people to work with. And I mean we were so fortunate to find the co-author we did and the publishers that we did that actually really supported us in our vision for the book. And we really wanted it to be told from the victim's perspective because often in true crime, it's more focused around the perpetrator or, you know, the hero detective or law enforcement, which, or a journalist, you know, who, who covered it a little, um, you know, a little bit removed and outside looking in, and we've already had a lot of, um, outsiders telling our story. So Um, it felt necessary to tell it from our perspective.
4: And do you mind elaborating just on what kind of, or maybe if there's one standout or a few things that you felt the media, when you said they chose to ignore or chose not to cover, could you elaborate on what kind of, what was the recurring motif you felt being left out that you were like, why? Why are you guys not discussing this?
3: Well, initially when it was called a hoax, uh, there was the emails from the kidnappers that gave ample uh, evidence and talked about crimes that were were reported to actually happened and not it didn't seem like any investigators actually went looked into those crimes and ignored basically our whole past history so there was uh you know we have doctorate degrees um uh, we worked really hard to become physical therapists we worked in uh well we worked at a well-renowned um rehab center with some of the most difficult patients. People had suffered strokes or brain injuries, spinal cord injuries. And none of that seemed to matter uh, to the, to the media. It was just kind of like, well, they're physical therapists. So that was a very frustrating on our standpoint, because our reputations were shattered. And that wasn't a question to go like, why would two physical therapists with in their thirties, try to get quote, their 15 minutes of fame for what, you know, like we would have been trying to do that a long time ago. And there's, you know, there's reality TV, there's YouTube, there's many other, other ways. ways to get popular. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go on The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. Uh, then there's, I think, even after the fact, it was a lot of focus on one uh, of the perpetrators, Mueller, they went, well, what happened to this guy? He went to Harvard. Like, this is, and it is a tragedy. This um, What this man's life has turned into is is a tragedy, but there was a lot of focus on him. Not necessary, and not necessary to focus on the victims as, and as part, of, and like why we wanted to write from our standpoint. And you know, Nikki Egan, our co-author, really helped us amplify our voices and made sure that it was um, a lot of us actually writing with her, helping edit and asking us more questions, and really honing our story um, so that uh, you see the pers- our perspective more or less.
1: I feel like I have to ask this, um, and I'm sorry in advance, but had you guys like seen or read Gone Girl before the media declared this the next Gone Girl?
3: I had read the book and saw the movie. Uh, So I don't necessarily blame the media so much for labeling because it gets clicks, right? Um, It's the police officers who use that as their determining factor for a crime instead of actual evidence. When you have FBI agents and detectives going like, well, it sounds like the movie gone girl. That's pretty low level decision-making. And they're the ones who were, uh, they're the ones who were telling the media, it sounds like gone girl. So. uh,
2: Yeah. And I had never read the book or seen the movie. And so (laughs) For me to have apparently tried to replicate something that I knew nothing about was pretty um, just maddening. Uh, and then, two, going through everything I did with law enforcement and them not believing me, and the way that the rapes occurred, and how, and just how everything was set up to where I was defenseless, and I didn't fight back, um, I didn't, I didn't make the situation more violent. Um, and that was used against me, uh, as you know, I'm getting my rape test and thinking, God, I wish I would have fought back. So there would be more obvious injuries. So maybe then they would believe me. Of course, you know, I, I finally watched the movie about nine months after, and I see how she uh, like hit herself in the face with a hammer and like gave herself internal injuries to help, um, uh, her, her lie. Uh, and so I just realized it didn't matter what happened. If, if I was more beaten or not, or if I was more hysterical or not, it, they would have just used any excuse to not believe me.
4: I mean, I feel it's a overarching heartbreaking motif that happens to so many rape victims too, where it's like you, why, how, how should a victim who's going to a hospital situation be having to self-doubt or question themselves that they weren't a proper victim when there's no way to be a proper victim. It's how do you stop them from becoming a victim or how do you help them at that point? So that is just, I hate that you both experienced that in different levels. And can you, I'm sure it's in the book. Can you both walk through, because you did you both had situations where you went to the police looking for help and looking for clarity and answers and the situation just got completely turned on both of you.
3: Yeah. In my case, um pretty much what right when i went to the police they they slow played the idea cuz they didn't believe me but they for hours acted as if they did uh Thanks. and that's not uncommon there this what was uh, <sighs> disturbing is when I, after after my 18 hours of interrogation and later on i started researching police interrogation te- techniques i found out this isn't, um, what happened to me wasn't unique. This is actually how they're trained. And what was unique in my sc- scenario is after 18 hours, I didn't falsely confess because many people do, because you just want, it's basically psychological torture. Um, it actually came from police used to be able to beat people and then they couldn't physically hurt them. So then they developed how can you psychologically pressure people? Oh. And, uh, that is one of the most disturbing things about it. Um, and your are in, in my scenario. I'm, I know Denise is in serious, serious danger and I'm trying to convince the police to actually investigate. Um, that's probably, that's part, the main reason why I endured so, so many hours. Um, but they, they can choose what they do and that's, um, and they end up doing the same thing to Denise is that you talk to them and they can choose. They decide what's evidence. They decide what they believe. Um, and when they have that confirmation bias and tunnel vision, it's a very, very difficult thing to to alter. Actually, we, the only reason why it got altered was a different department uh, did their job um, uh, and caught him. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking to you. We wouldn't have a book. Our lives would still be destroyed and it took another family going through a tragedy for that.
2: Yeah, I'm well, and for me, um, I mean, I, I was convinced for those two days that I, I, I would be killed. And so, I mean, moment to moment was just trying to figure out how to live and survive, um, being in the defenseless position I was in. And it never occurred to me in those two days that if I did survive, I wouldn't be believed. And then what do I do and how do I handle that? And especially considering how the home invasion occurred and everything happened to, and the arrogance of my captor saying to me, you know, Aaron went to the police and the media are covering this, but it doesn't bother me. It's, it'll be good PR for our group. I mean, he didn't seem to be afraid at all. And so I'm released and immediately met with um, not just doubt or disbelief, but attacks. Um, it just made me feel like it never ended. Like this was just like next phase of this kidnapping. And it was just this much bigger thing that, um, I would have no ability to protect myself
4: from. Cause it's, uh, you, you thought that you were released to safety and freedom, but then it was your reputation that was taken and it, just everything that you guys had on the line. And I know that the police only just recently publicly apologized. That's correct. Right yeah to you all and how i mean at that point what did what was your thought when they reached out to you kind of i mean truly six years later type of situation
2: well they didn't reach out to us they 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 commented to 2020 into people magazine because they were putting out a you know a story to about our book release we we had reached out our our co-author had reached out to the police um when we were doing our final edits for the book to say do you have anything to say and they didn't have a comment <laughs> so i mean it's you know
3: and quite honestly the apology doesn't matter because it's six years later they're not actually apologizing to us and if they were, were um truly invested in not having this happen again they would make policy and procedural changes so the mm-hmm. detective mustard who handled our case actually botched our case you know in 2015 was given officer of the year He's still the lead detective for that unit, uh, even though he's lied on sworn statements in our case, and he's lied on sworn statements in other cases. So he's unqualified to be in the position he's in, uh, but they continue to keep him in in a a crucial part of uh, their department. So if they're really actually concerned about apology like words don't matter, actions matter.
1: Well, I feel like, you know, we're in the midst just as a country of this, like reckoning with law enforcement and how we approach it. And I wanted to know how this experience has shaped
2: your views of the police and law enforcement. I mean, I think it completely changed our whole worldview, um, including with law enforcement. And it's really a difficult place because Aaron's brother is an FBI agent, you know, and, and there's Misty who, who the detective who cracked the case and linked, um, uh, Mueller to our case and, and essentially saved our lives, you know, and our, our reputations and the truth came out. And so there's so many great, um, agents and detectives out there that, that, uh, you know, all of this is, um, Frustrating, and it seems like it's it'd be quite easy to do better. I, it doesn't make sense why it's so hard.
3: Yeah, the installation of uh, insulating the poor officers who who are causing the problems is a, is probably the biggest issue. The lack of accountability. Um, so, in like our case, the police department has shown no ability to police themselves, and they're also tried to hide like uh, the former police uh, chief of police for Vallejo told officers to delete text messages and emails during our civil case. Um, and so they're they're trying to keep everything dark and in the shadows instead of actually holding themselves accountable and then improving, which would make you know the community safer. And to Dean's point, we know they're good officers. We know people who or dedicate their lives to protecting us and we're, but the trade off, they can't, you have to have the good officers overwhelm the poor officers and they need to remove them. And that's uh, unfortunate. They're, they're not doing that.
4: And it just, it's just so frustrating to have that happen. And you're just like, and like, it's also this time so many years later and there is no change yet. And there's nothing, being done to solve any of it, and then it's also I'm like a public apology, not to the people. That's not an apology. That's just they're just truly doing the same tactics, just in different ways of like covering things up, PR, hoaxing it all, and that's just it's just it's frustrating, and it's just like such a like Sarah was saying, happens it's the overarching theme in our country. But that's why it's good that people like you are bringing all the flaws that happen in the system to attention with the book. And I kind of want to go with that, too. What is your, because obviously for you two, it was a release to write the book and get your word out. But what do you, is there a hope or maybe a feeling that you hope readers of the book will be able to take away from it? Or if you could have like a major takeaway from it for uh, audience members, what do, you, what do you think it could be or should
3: be? Yeah, I think probably there's multiple themes within it, but one would be um, slowing your, the rush to judgment. So that happened at the rush to judgment by law enforcement, the rush to judgment by the media, rush to judgment by the general public. Uh, so there, it's easy now to read headlines and there's, it's easy to get quick outrage, but you really don't know the whole story. You never know anyone's whole story. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important and actually a, a good sign to say, I don't know, I need to gather more information uh, instead of sending out potentially hate like Denise received horrible messages that people sought, you know, sought her out to, to, you know, quote, put her in her place. Um, and also on part of this is like uh, our, the facts of our case are quite extraordinary, but the tr- the way we dealt with trauma and the way we've processed through is, is universal. And so, um, you know, at the core of it is, is actually a love story, um, you know, our love for each other, our support for, our, from our families and our friends. And we have, a beautiful daughter now, um, and I think there's so there's positivity within that. Um, those would be two to the major themes.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, we uh, we did go through a lot of trauma, but in a lot of ways, we were lucky um, because we had each other and our families and our careers and you know um, the ability to find and pay for the attorneys that we had um to have Aaron's brother who's an FBI agent help guide us through a lot of these things that would just be I mean you're just lost. Um and so I think that's why it was really important for us to kind of shed light on some of these issues because you just you have no way of knowing until you're in it and then when you're in it it it's just almost impossible to get through. Um at least that's the way it feels sometimes. Um so I think if people can can see what these issues are maybe they'll they'll pay attention and want to to be a part of changing some of these things.
3: Yeah, because we spent over $140,000 on criminal defense attorneys, and we weren't even charged with a crime. So many people don't have the emotional support or the financial support to actually be able to do that. So uh, I think we're, you know, highly educated, um, upper middle class, white people, they are unfortunately potentially doing this to more and more people um, and there there's opportunities for reform there are there are there is a push to actually make you know policing better and I, I hopefully people think about that and support that because um, bad police work makes the public less safe I, I love
4: that that's the mentality you have and I also love you guys are just such an inspiration in terms of your outlook that you overcame something so intense everyone's worst nightmare. And you, both of you just seem grateful to have each other, grateful for the love, the family you have, which is beautiful. And then you're using this to be like, r- having it to raise awareness of such a national crisis that is happening in our country overall about how to make our country safer and to make people either in your situation or dealing with just a bunch of other things that may not have the fortunate levels that you have feel a little bit safer too. And it's just very, it's very commendable. It's very commendable from both
2: of you. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. that.
4: I love it. And also I feel like you guys seem like such like a perfect couple too. I feel like you just are like, so like sweet and fun. And I love, I feel like over getting through a book together too, you guys can just kind of, you're ready for everything and anything too.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think getting through the kidnapping and the the accusations by the police, I mean, they were trying to to get us to turn on each other. Um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities that our relationship could have ended and it, and it was, you know, don't get me wrong. It wasn't easy. The, for both of us individually to go through PTSD, we have similar and then also different triggers. Um, and it definitely came into our relationship, um, especially intimacy and, and, you know, with, with the rapes. I mean, it's, it was, it was a challenge. Um, and I think what made it work was that we never, blamed each other and we never attacked each other about any of it. Um, A lot of the difficulties was more of like our own personal insecurities, you know, for me, like, am I a broken woman and is he ever going to see me as a whole woman desirable again, or am I just a victim? You know, is anyone going to see me more than just a victim? And, um, and so, you know, going through therapy and talking through those things and, and, you know, Aaron feeling guilt about things. I feel guilt, you know? So um, there was a lot of hurdles to go through and, and we wanted to be really honest about that in the book. And so we, we shared some of that um, just to show, I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to get through trauma, but it's also, it's not impossible even in moments when it does feel like there's just, this is rock bottom and I, I can't get out. Um, so there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope, um and it's it's a it's a lifelong journey to to get through and um we just did our best to try to channel that negative energy and try to turn it into something positive. I love that. Definitely. And
1: we're so excited that you guys um we're glad you guys came on to discuss the book. Um we're also glad that you wrote the book. I, it's going to be I think really like informative for people to
4: read. It's an it's an important book because I feel like like you said from the victims POV, not and like peop and just like even when you were just when you were talking, I was like for women or just rape survivors who have the guilt of even like you hear so much of them not even coming forward for so late because they're afraid of the repercu- or repercussions of the judgment or the not being believed in. So having someone with the experience write this, help them show them what they maybe could be feeling, or just to know that they're not alone, as simple as that. It's a crucial it's crucial writing and literature so we're very thankful that you took the time to talk to us too today
2: yeah thank you i mean we've definitely been inspired by other people speaking out and so it's like we're just trying to feed off of other people's strength and energy and hopefully we can pay it forward to other people too so totally well thank you guys so much and can you
1: just one more time remind the listeners the title of the book where they can find it everything like that
3: yeah, the title of the book is uh, Victim F, From Crime Victims to Suspects to Survivors. And people can find more information about the book and us on at com.
1: Great. Thank you.
3: Amazing. Thank you guys so much. Thank yeah, you. Thank you guys.
2: Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com.
0: Betches.